right, everybody, welcome back to Doing the Thing. Uh, today is going to be a, a little bit of a different episode because we want to focus on uh, on Phil and his journey as an author. Um, you know, as we're kind of going through our stuff, I mean, we're always going to be offering those those business startup tips and the franchising and the career ownership tips. But uh, what if you wanted to own your career in a different way as an author? And, um, you know, Phil has that unique experience of publishing multiple books. And, you know, I want to publish a book one day myself, you know, so let's let's pick Phil's brain a little bit and kind of talk about like, you know, what did he wish he had known about before going into this? And, you know, hopefully it can serve you guys as well. So, Phil, what's going on, man? Yeah, so, you know, this is a topic that's near and dear to my heart, first of all. And what I do want to say is um, I talk to so many people that say I've always wanted to be a writer and I've always wanted to do a book. And I'm like, what's stopping you? Well, you know, just finding the time and the inspiration. Um in my experience, in my limited experience, and by the way, I host a writer's resource group that meets every other week. So I talk to a lot of local wannabe authors and people that have projects in the works. The first myth I want to dispel is that there's no such thing as good writing. There's only good editing. So, <laughs> you know, once you embrace that principle, you don't sit down in front of a keyboard and have what they call writer's block because you realize that the first round of what you write is likely going to be crappy. It's only in the coming back and refining of those thoughts and the perfecting of your message and what you're trying to tell. And maybe that takes three to five comb throughs, right? So yeah. for all of you who think that you maybe want to be a writer and you have that creative, you know, um, fire inside of you and you just haven't expressed yourself, just sit down and start. Dedicate 15 minutes or a half hour, three to five times per week jot down terrible ideas, know that the next day you look at it, it's going to look like vomit and that's okay because that's part <laughs> of the iterative process of writing. So how do you find like a good editor? You know, how does that work? Well, you know, I got lucky and I'll tell you why I got lucky. Um, in my first two books, so I published two nonfictions and then one fictional piece. And for my first two nonfiction works, I hired what's called a book doctor. And you know, I was inspired by the story that I told. It was the real life um, journey of the largest team of persons with disabilities to reach Mount Everest Space Camp, right? And yeah. my dear friend, Gary Guller, who summited the first man missing an arm, right? To yeah. summit Mount Everest. Um, so to me, that message was timely and important. It's about what human beings are capable of when they commit themselves to a path. Um, and the book doctor that I ended up finding read my work and she's like, oh, I see your vision and it's so beautiful and I'm so bought into the philosophy and the messaging is so timely and relevant. The reality is you don't want that person. Because- You want somebody critical, don't you? You 100% want somebody that's gonna be critical because writing is a craft and it's a craft that's mastered across a lifetime. And while yes, I probably did have some really good inspirational things, what I needed was somebody who had a critical voice that could pick me apart and rebuild me better than what I was. Mm -hmm. And I found that in my, in the novel that I wrote. And I'm going to tell you this, Jason, because I wrote two nonfiction books. I labeled myself a writer. And then I said, I'm going to write a fictional piece, right? Should be easy because I've written two books. 
Um, I created a first draft. It was about 20 pages long. I sent it off to a new editor that had been recommended to me. And this dude just completely shredded me, cut my head off, cut my arms off, cut my legs off. And I had to put myself back together afterwards. Um, but what I came to realize over that experience, and it took me four years of writing before he actually gave me my first compliment, probably because I was a shitty writer. <laughs> <laughs> he wanted to give you some, some uh, incentive to keep going, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And what you do want, but you don't want a complete jerk as an editor. Somebody is just right. going to spread you every time you turn around. But you do want somebody that has a vision and experience beyond your own, that's going to shape your writing career, that's going to not be afraid to give you the critical comments and let you digest them and let you kind of rebuild yourself in a new direction. And if you can find that person, and if anybody listening needs a reference, man, I will always work with Dan Edelman uh, for the rest of my writing career. And that's the guy that shredded me. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, I always get these um, these people kind of reaching out to me on LinkedIn, like, we'll help you get your book together and put it out in the market and things like that. I'm scared of that because they're, you know, you know, when they're reaching out that way, it feels like maybe they're not that good. I don't know. But maybe well, that's my own kind of internal thinking. You know, there's a whole subculture of... Um, people that help you take your book to market, be it ghost writers or editors or quasi publishing kinds of firms. And, you know, you have to pick the path that feels best to you. Um, yeah. I do know some authors that just publish book after book after book. Their goal is to publish at least four novels per year. Mm -hmm. Now, arguably reading those novels and then reading the reviews of those novels, a lot of people say this is cookie cutter, serialized. It just feels like they're taking the same shape of the story and then changing out characters, but just regurgitating the same thing. However, the books are selling, right? So, you know, I don't know the right path, but what I would say is that you want to be very discerning about your primary editor and you want to have a bunch of beta readers and not beta readers that are family and friends, beta readers that you don't know that aren't going to be afraid to tell you the things that maybe your family might. Yeah, hundred percent. Like you, it goes back to that. You know, you know. Don't don't worry about my feelings. You know, just tell me how you actually what you really think about the book, and and that's kind of a good thing on the business side of, of the house too, right? Because those readers will actually become good referrals for you if you do work with them really well. I'm sure, right? Yeah. Um, so here's the interesting thing, though. Um, if you really want to be a writer whether you want to self-publish or you want to go the traditional publishing route, you absolutely have to become a marketer first. Yeah. And I'll tell you why I say that. Um, I wrote no, so let me preface this by saying, I'm very proud of the fact that I have currently 59 reviews on my novel. The majority of them are five star. And I'm very proud of that. Um, people nice. that have read the book have been extremely complimentary. You can look it up on Amazon. And I share that because I got rejected 73 times by agents. Wow. 73 times. Yeah, I kept track. <laughs> <laughs> the biggest reason why I got rejection was not because of my writing. It was because of my author's platform. And simply put, publishers are under a great deal of financial pressure. They're not going to take on a book, even if it's a best-selling genre. They're not going to take on a book unless you have about 100,000 minimum social media followers. 
Let's translate hmm. to that to what That's it a means. Lot. A lot, yeah. That means you have to have an audience that predictably will buy your book before the agent picks you up because that's part of what they're selling. That's almost impossible to get. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. So yeah, I mean, look, if, if your goal as a writer is just to create and express yourself and you're not looking for it to be a financial return, then by all means, go and do that. If you are looking for some financial return, but not something you can retire off of, then write multiple books and over the course of publishing eight or nine of them, you'll hit enough critical mass that if you write well, people will buy into you. But if you want it as a career, spend equal parts writing and marketing, building a loyal audience. And so how do you do that? Yeah. Um, number one, it can't be promotional. You need to engage with other writers. You need to you know, write guest blogs for blog sites. You need to be part of the writer's community and the agent's community. You need to attend events. You need to network like you would to be successful in a business. And yeah, building a critical mass of 100,000 people is no small feat. No. But if you can get to that number, then you'll likely get published traditionally. Okay. Wow. That, that's some really good advice. So yeah, like start, um, start brushing up on your marketing techniques and, and get to work. You know, start, yeah, you know, there's establishing a lot of, yourself. Um, like Jenna Moresi is one of my favorite uh, YouTubers, and she does an ongoing series on different strategies, writing strategies, marketing strategies. You can learn almost anything you want on YouTube, including how to be a good, effective author and marketer. Hmm. But you have to have the discipline to do it, one, and you have to be consistent, too. And that's probably the biggest challenge an author has, because we love creating these fictitious worlds. But guess what? If, if the world we actually live in doesn't know us, it doesn't matter how good our book is. They still don't know us, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, the other experience that I had is that I chose self-publishing um, mostly because I got rejected 73 times. <laughs> but it's got to get out there somehow, right? <laughs> yeah. And um, also because, you know, the, the Amazon program is 70% royalty share. So it can be significant, especially 70% to Amazon, 70% to me. Okay. Okay. That's still a big percentage for, to yeah. them. Yeah. They get, they get 30 for their distribution arm. Yeah. But the thing is, unless you are consistently promoting marketing, listing with um, book email lists and different promoting promotion sites, you'll hit a peak where your book just doesn't sell um, yeah. because there's so much new content being launched. There's, you know, so many distractions in the world to begin with. There's, I don't know, 100,000 new books a day coming out. You have yeah. to consistently be marketing on a monthly basis in a variety of ways. And when you do, you'll see trickle in sales. And when you don't, you don't. Wow. That's, that's really interesting. I, I had no idea that there was like just this like well, I do know that I did know that there was like this author community, obviously, but I just didn't realize like the the marketing chops you'd have to have to kind of get the get that thing off the ground. Uh, but it definitely makes sense, I, you know, because one, I don't think a lot of people read that much anymore, and and, and two, I mean, you know, depending on the genre or just depending on you know what kind of um, material you want to write, I mean, you really have to find a very niche market to to kind of placate to because you can't be something to everybody. Right. Yep. 
Yeah, and you know, a couple other pointers I'd share with folks. So, you know, we talked about the writing journey and the importance of an editor and beta readers. You know, don't be afraid to vomit on a page because you can come back and fix it later. Mm-hmm. But when you get to the finished product, by the way, never send it to an agent, never publish until it's perfect, period. 100% done and 100% perfect. Um, because what will happen if you don't is somebody's going to find those five typos that you missed and that's where they're going to put in a review and you're dead, right? Yeah. Um, but then spending time if you're going to self-publish. And I found Fiverr to be an excellent resource. Um, yeah. Make sure your cover art is spot on and compelling because what people see first is that thumbnail of your book cover. And if that doesn't get their attention or it looks cheaply made, People truly do judge a book by its cover. (laughs) (laughs) They do. They do. (laughs) Secondly, that um, marketing blurb on the back cover. Imagine you're going into a bookstore and you pick up a book and you read the back cover, right? Mm -hmm. Well, that occurs online in Amazon in the descriptor. That needs to be tight. Somebody needs to read that in a few paragraphs go, wow, that sounds really cool. And if they don't, they won't buy it. Yeah. Um, And my experience was I went out to Fiverr um, and nothing against domestic talent. Please don't take it this way. But the quotes I got were between two and $500 for a book cover. The book cover I have today, I think I paid $40 for, and I'm so thrilled with how it looks. I just think it's mystical and haunting. Um, But I found that talent on, on Fiverr. I also took my book synopsis and sent it to five different content writers and got five different versions of the back page. And then I read the one that I liked the best and chose that. So, you know, going out to non-traditional places like Fiverr, like Upwork to find resources for your book can help you save money, but more importantly, help you find really good talent. Oh, good to know. Good to know. So I know we we're definitely intending to make this one a really short episode. So like in your words, like what are like, you know, some of the top things that you feel you should do initially to get started, just to get started. Just to get started. So excellent question. Um, Invest $60 in a program called Scrivener, S-C-R-I-V-E-N-E-R. Before you even write your first word, download Scrivener. What Scrivener gives you the availability to do or the ability to do is Everything from outline through research, through plot development, through characters, all in one place. More importantly, you can put pages side by side as you work with Scrivener. I started writing my novel in Word, and when it got to be about 30,000 pages, imagine that, or 30,000, yeah, 30,000 words, not 30,000 pages. Yes. Um, <laughs> imagine like... Biblical proportions there. Yeah. So, you know, you have an idea midway through the book. But then you need to go back to the beginning of the book and make sure that there's no conflicts. Like if this happened at the beginning of the book, this could never happen in the middle of the book, right? So you, right. you always have to be looking at that. With Scrivener, you can put scenes side by side and do that research. You can put research like I did into cults and some other things side by side to your writing to make cool. sure you stay accurate. But in words, you've got to scroll up and down pages. It's tough. Yeah, It's tough. Um, you have to have like three monitors to really kind of <laughs> figure out what the heck you're doing. Yeah. So invest in Scrivener, number one. Number two is set a realistic expectation for weekly 
word counts, not daily word counts, but weekly word counts. Okay. A lot of people go with 800 per day. I don't advocate it because you'll just write 800 crappy words. Yeah. But if you say to yourself, every week I'm going to hit a thousand word minimum and try to stay true to that as much as you can, give yourself permission to take a few days off if you're feeling burnout. Yeah. Um, and just be committed to the edit process because the writing is not the important thing. The editing is. Yeah, indeed. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And, you know, those, those daily commitments, they're so easy to break. <laughs> I can only imagine. So like right when it's most ideal for you and like you're in the best mindset for it, I imagine is probably kind of what you're going for. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, what happens is a lot of people think that they have to be in the writing mode to write. And the only way you get in the writing mode is actually sitting down to write. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah, like anything else, it's a flipping of a gear. You start to get into a rhythm. So if you have that weekly commitment, you're going to make sure you're in front of the keyboard enough to keep that rhythm going. If you take too long of a break from it, then you have to come back and reread all that you've written to get back into the storyline. And that just costs you time. So yeah, weekly goal is important. It makes a lot of sense. It's like a, it's like a going to the gym, you know, once you, you know, you probably don't feel like it until you do it, but once your body starts warming up and you start getting into the swing of things with your program, then it gets easier and you can finish. Boom. hundred percent. Boom. All right, man. Well, I think we're right at time. So this was awesome. Thank you for sharing this. I've been wanting to do this for a little while. So if you are listening to this and, and you are, thinking about writing that next book, just reach out to Phil, you know, just reach out to him individually and he'll, he'll walk you through it. I, I guarantee you, he'll give you some of his time. Yeah. I'd um, love to do that. Thank awesome. you. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, man. Always, always a pleasure. I'll catch you next week. Everybody have a good one.